been in a series of messages called Change My Heart. Today, I want you to open your Bibles to the 29th chapter of the book of Genesis. And uh, we're talking about a love story. And everybody loves a love story, don't they? We love love stories. Come on, somebody. We love it. Maybe you've seen the Netflix show Married at First Sight. Anybody? Somebody watched that? Yeah, a few people. They have like a group of therapists and counselors and they matchmake. These are like the most sophisticated intellectual matchmakers known to humanity. And you meet, you meet the person you're going to marry there at the altar. And then you get married and then you get to know them afterwards. Married at first sight. People are digging it. It's awesome. Love is Blind, a dating show where you date but you have a wall in between the two folks that are dating and they just have to converse and have conversation, but you can't see what they look like until deep into the relationship. Back with the ex, another dating show. Actually, it's kind of like a breakup relationship show. They find people that have broken up and then they go and talk to them and see if they can get them with the counselors and the therapists and see if they can resolve their differences and if they can get back together. But I think perhaps my favorite relationship show was a show that came out a few years ago. This is a little bit old school, but it was called Beauty and the Geek. Anybody Beauty and the Geek? Do you see that one? They have these really beautiful women and these really geeky guys and they pair them up and they compete in contests for like $250,000. And the idea is that the the, the beautiful girl is going to help the guy be less geeky, and then the geeky guys are going to help the beautiful girls be less ditzy, and they have these relationships. Anyway, you got to check it out sometime when you're not at church. It's great. We love relationship stories. Genesis 29 is all about relationships. I think it's a story that's better than Beauty and the Geek. It's better than Married at First Sight or Love is Blind. It's the love story of Rachel and Jacob. Jacob and Rachel. Um, if you remember last week, we left off. Uh, Jacob has run away. He steals his brother's birthright and his blessing. Uh, Esau's going to kill him. So he runs to his uncle's place many, many miles away. And uh, there he shows up. And his uncle has a beautiful daughter by the name of Rachel. And Jacob and Rachel fall madly, madly in love. And this story, I think, is so powerful because there can be so much pain around relationships. A love can be difficult. We, we know how powerful and how encouraging and how positive love can be, but love can also be very hurtful, and it can be very traumatic and difficult at times as well. And so um, stories like this have great meaning for us. This is a beautiful break in the story of the, of the life of Jacob, because we've been reading about birthrights and blessings and stealing and lying. And then you get to chapter 29 and it's like, oh, they fall in love. This is great. It's such a change of pace. So grab your notes today. You can write down these three things. I want to share three things with you today about true love. And the first thing I want us to see is that true love wows. <clears throat> true love wows. Now look at verse is one, uh, beginning in one through two and then 10 and 11, Jacob resumed his journey and he went to the eastern country and he looked and he saw well in a field. Rachel came with her father's sheep for she was a shepherdess. 
And as soon as Jacob saw his uncle Laban's daughter, Rachel, with, with her sheep, or with his sheep, he went up and he rolled the stone from the opening and watered the uncle Laban's sheep. And then Jacob kissed Rachel and he wept loudly. Um, this is the only time in the Bible that I can think of that people that were not married are kissing. And Jacob just falls so hard for Rachel. Never seen her before, doesn't know her. There's a big stone over the well, and he um, has kind of this incredible Hulk moment. His shirt rips off, he turns green. The stone usually takes several people to move it, but when Jacob shows up and he's got the beautiful girl there, he becomes like the rock, and he moves it, and he goes over and kisses her and weeps. I mean, come on now, wait a second. Now, Jacob was kind of the mama's boy, remember? He was the guy that loved Home and Garden Network. He was hanging out around the tents, the Bible says. And he loved mama. And he's been with mama. And he's lived at home off of his parents for his entire life. And Jacob's actually an older guy. He's not a young guy. But man, when he sees Rachel, he just about loses his mind and falls head over heels in love for her right there. Now, notice it says that she was a shepherdess. I mean, you know, she was beautiful and she was a shepherdess. That's like saying she was hot and she had season tickets to the Broncos, right? She was beautiful and she had her own 12 gauge. You know, this is kind of like the, the thing here. She's, she's this beautiful girl and she's a shepherdess. She's like the whole package, okay? And Jacob sees all this and he has this incredible Hulk moment. And it's kind of like the guy at the gym that's bench pressing the bar and then the beautiful girl walks into the gym and is all cute and he says put 345s on each side and he begins blowing up the bench press and he has to go to the ER afterwards. I mean this is kind of what's going on here with Jacob. And he, he moves the stone and I'm sure that Rachel was so impressed by this and he has this massive just connection and this attraction and listen, when you get married, you should be attracted to the person that you marry. That may sound kind of silly to some people, but, you know, sometimes Christian people get so spiritual that we, that we kind of can, can kind of forget about that. Actually, it's normal and it's good. You should be attracted to the person that, that you marry. And Jacob has a strong attraction to Rachel. And I think Rachel, after she saw him move the stone, I mean, what else could you want, girls? I mean, come on. Uh, he, she had a strong attraction to him. And there's kind of this wow moment. And, and, and uh, man, this relationship takes off to, uh, to a huge start. And uh, women can, get, uh, can affirm men uh, and build their confidence in ways that cannot be built other ways. And um, women can pull things out of men that uh, could not be stoked or, or, or maybe seen under normal circumstances. And and so this is, this is Jacob. I mean, Jacob has literally been a mama's boy, and he's about to become a man. And he does so because he's motivated and he's wowed by the love of this beautiful girl, Rachel. Now, secondly, true love also works. Jacob didn't have any money, so he works for seven years to gain the hand of this beautiful woman. Look at it there in verse 20. So Jacob worked seven years for Rachel and they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. I mean, when you really love somebody, time tends to go out the window. Seven years is a very long duration of time. Would you agree? That's, that's a long period of time. But Jacob was like, man, I would work for her for a hundred years. You know, I mean, he's, 
He's so smitten by her and loves her so much. And we're going to find that Laban, the father-in-law of Jacob, Rachel's dad, is kind of a shyster. He's kind of a tricker. And, and uh, Jacob has been the trickster before, but now he's about to get tricked by Laban. And he's going to trick him a couple of times. But, but Jacob is so moved by his love for Rachel that he says, hey, I will work for seven years and uh, men, we need to work for our families and for our wives. We need to get out and we need to work hard. Um, if you love your family, one of the greatest ways to show that is to work. I mean, it, it just kind of is. Uh, Paul, Paul said to Timothy in uh, 1 Timothy 5.8, But if anyone doesn't provide for his own family, especially for his own household, he's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And so, men, we need to be workers. Uh, men love to work mo most of the time, many times, and, and, and we love to work because we want to take care of our families. And that's a good thing. And so Jacob is like doing his man thing. He's working. He's hustling the animals. He's doing whatever Laban needs him to do. And he's doing it because he wants to earn the favor and the hand of this beautiful woman. We need to cheer dad on. Uh, as he works hard for the family, if he's trying to get a graduate degree or if he's um, doing extra odd jobs to pick up some extra hours or do some extra things to earn some money for the family, that's good. That's a mark of true love. When we love our families, we want to provide for them and we want to take care of them. And a man who doesn't work uh, or is unwilling to work is an immature man um, and, and we need to really look at that. We need to really think about that. If we can't keep a job or we constantly move from job to job to job, we need to, to, to grow up and to mature a little bit. I, I have two questions. When my daughter gets a little older, she's, she's kind of young right now, but when she gets older, when somebody wants to marry my daughter, do you love Jesus? Here's my questions. Do you love Jesus and do you have a job? Does that sound good? Like, right, like, can, can you take care of my daughter, right? Are you going to freeload? Are you going to watch her do everything or, you know, like? What are you doing? And uh, in ancient times, oftentimes um, the dowry was used to, 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 to show that a man could be responsible and that he could work and that he could save and he could provide and, and take care of that daughter. So it's a good thing. This is what Jacob's doing. He's, 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 he's proving himself to his father-in-law. And because he left in the middle of the night, you know, he really didn't have any money to start with. So he had to take, take whatever offer he could get. Uh, but he, 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 he willingly agrees. Seven years of work, I'll do it. And he works. Now, we have to work on our marriage, too. We got to work for our marriage, but we got to work on our marriage. There's never a time in a marriage that we need to go on autopilot. Um, there's always things we can do to enhance our relationship and our love connection and our with our spouse it's communication it's it's connecting you know marriages evolve over time if you've been married a while you know that if you've been married a short term a short time you, you'll see that more and more there's different seasons in a marriage um, there's seasons when kids are young and then the kids get a little older and then you're empty nester and and the marriage kind of evolves around what's going on is somebody unemployed? Is somebody employed and everything's going great? Is somebody sick? There's different phases and the marriage is always evolving and it's tweaking and it's changing a little bit. And we have to constantly be working on our communication, on our connection, on, 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 our, 
on our uh, relationship, on the home, and all of those things about it. We never get to a point where, where we don't have to work on that. Um, uh, some of us may need to see a counselor. Uh, some of us may need to maybe be great to just read a book together about marriage or maybe just to sit down and talk to a spouse and just say, hey, look, how are we doing? You know, and kind of make some evaluations. Those are all good. Those are healthy things. And, and Jacob is kind of illustrating for us what it means to work in the marriage and for the marriage. Um, and he works for those seven, seven years, seven long, long years. In, in chapter 29, verse 23, it says that that, uh, that evening Laban took his daughter Leah and gave her to Jacob and he slept with her. Now, wait a second. What happened? I, I thought Jacob was going to marry Rachel. Well, he gets to the end of the seven years and Laban pulls a little trick on, on Jacob. See, Jacob's been tricking now he's about to get tricked. And in the ancient world, women wore a headdress. And this must have been a really good headdress, you know, because, because Jacob thinks that he's going to the altar and he's, he's marrying Rachel, the love of his life. But when he wakes up the next morning, guess what? Surprise! It's Leah! Wait a second. Now, I don't know if it was really dark or maybe Jacob had too much to drink. I'm not really sure what transpired there, but somehow, some way, he thought he was marrying Rachel, the little sister, that beautiful shepherdess. And instead, he ended up with Leah. It's interesting, the word Leah is not flattering. In the Hebrew language, do you know what it means? It means cow. Rachel, on the other hand, means you, like a cuddly, cute little lamb. Now, I don't know if that had to do with the looks of these girls or not, but we do know that the Bible says that, that Leah had weak eyes, and scholars have debated the meaning of that for many years. Did she, was she cross-eyed? Did she have a stray eye? Did she have other physical you know, things about her? I don't know, but it's kind of obvious that Rachel is really beautiful, and maybe Leah had a really great personality. And Jacob, Jacob is, he's surprised. I mean, then he goes to Laban, and he's like, hey man, what in the world transpired? And he says, oh, by the way, we didn't talk about this before, but it's always our custom that the oldest daughter gets married first. And Jacob's like, well, thanks for sharing that with me. You know, thank you so much. And so they wait a week because that's how long you celebrate a new marriage. And then after the end of a week, then he, then he marries Rachel. Um, but he has to work seven more years. So he actually puts in 14 years for the hand of Rachel. But he does get to marry her in the middle. But can you imagine the conflict and the turmoil in that home as a result of, of this great surprise. I mean, so you have a man that marries a woman that he really loves and has a really strong connection with, Rachel, and then you have her sister that kind of shows up unexpectedly, and Jacob never really digs her at all. And she tricked him. She tricked him. Um, look, look in verse 28, and Jacob did just that. He finished the week of celebration, and Laban gave him his daughter Rachel as his wife, and Laban gave 
his slave Bilnah uh, to his daughter Rachel as her slave, and Jacob slept with Rachel. And indeed, he loved Rachel more than Leah. And he worked for Laban another seven years. Um, this is the first time that Jacob really shows like commitment and maturity, and he's not trying to trick his way out of things. You know, he's like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work for seven more years. Laban is the, the schemer and the, the tricker that's there. Um, but uh, uh, only God can change us from being totally selfish to being completely selfless. And God is changing the heart of Jacob. Now, we saw last week that um, at Bethel that Jacob climbs the ladder and he becomes a man of faith. Before, his faith was just something his parents had. Um, in, in chapter 28, uh, Jacob's faith becomes his own. And now we see the, the heart change and the maturing and the process that God is bringing him through um, as he enters into this relationship. Now, true love also waits. It waits. In verse 20, it says, So he worked for, for, uh, for seven years for Rachel, and they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. And then Jacob said to Laban, since my time is complete, give me my wife so I can sleep with her. Jacob waits. Jacob and Rachel don't have sex for seven long years. How many of you know that's a really long time? It is. And Jacob is faithful to God and he's faithful to, to, to Rachel and he's faithful to her family. And he says, okay, the seven years is up. I'm ready. And that's when he gets the big surprise of Leah. But Rachel is just doing her job as a shepherdess. She's being faithful to God, and um, she's just doing her work. You know, sometimes people, single people ask me, Pastor, how can I meet a really good Christian person? And um, the answer that I have is, 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 is oftentimes kind of lackluster, but I think it's really powerful. I think the greatest way to meet somebody is just to do what you're doing. See, Rachel is just tending the sheep. She gets up and she goes to work. I don't know if her hair was right or if she had her makeup on or, 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 or maybe how she looked, but she brought the sheep to get watered because the sheep need, need to drink. And it's there at the well that God brings uh, Jacob into her life, you know, and we have to trust God in our relationships. God is going to bring the people into your life that need to be there. So you don't have to go out to all the clubs. You don't have to get on shady online dating websites. You don't have to go do all of this odd, weird stuff. You don't have to do any of that. Listen, just do what God has called you to do. By the way, I think you ought to be at church every week. That's a great starting place. Amen? Like, just come to the house of God. Just start there, right? And sometimes people say, well, I wish there was more people to meet. And that kind of, I'm like, you know what? It only takes one, okay? Right? It only takes one. Just be faithful with what God's put before you. Get up and go to work. Come to church. Do whatever the responsibilities that the Lord's put in your life. Guess what? God's going to put the people in your life that need to be there. Don't worry about it. That's why pe people waste so much time chasing relationships that are never going to go anywhere. They're not. Focus on the relationships that have potential and purpose. And just let God 
Bring those people into your life and be faithful where you are. So God brings them together at this well. It's an unexpected, it's a weird place. It is, but you know what? Jacob's doing what he needs to do. He's going to Laban's house and Rachel's doing what she needs to do. Dad said to water the sheep and shazam, there it is. God brings people together. And we try too hard to do it on our own, don't we? And there's restraint in this relationship. I love that. You know, we, we have so little restraint in, in relationships. Most of our relationships in the 21st century start with sex. And we wonder, why do we have so many problems and why do we struggle so much? When we start with restraint, it teaches self-control. It teaches communication. It teaches sensitivity. It teaches so many things. That's why God orchestrated us and designed us to not start with sex, but to let sex be the fulfillment of a relationship that already has a foundation to it. That's why so many people get divorced and so many people struggle because it's easier to have sex than it is to communicate. It's easier to have sex than it is to really show love and compassion and empathy for people sometimes. But if we will slow down a little bit and we will do things God's way and, and, and through God's purpose, we will have a more fruitful and a more fulfilling relationship. And that's what we see illustrated for us. Now, Leah is easy to feel sorry for her. And I do feel sorry for her. I can't imagine what it would be like to live in a home and your husband never really be that interested into you. You know, I mean, that's that's that is sad. It's real sad. If you read the whole text, Leah and Rachel are always fighting with each other, these two sisters, over their husband's attention, and they get into like a game to see who can produce the most babies for Jacob. And, and, and Leah thinks, well, if I can have the most sons, if I can have all these sons for Jacob, then I will earn the love of Jacob. But Jacob is never that into her. Rachel has a lot of fertility issues, she finally has two kids towards the end of her life. She dies in childbirth of the second. But Jacob always loved her more. So I feel bad for Leah. But you know what? Leah should not have been tricking Jacob. If Leah would not have dressed up and pretended to be her sister, this whole problem would not have, would not have happened in the first place. So listen, girls, if you're dating somebody... And you're wanting them to propose, and you're like, why is he not proposing? You know, I want to get married. I want to do this thing and all that. And the guy's like, well, I don't really know if I want to do that. Don't force them. Don't trick them into it. Because if you do, then you, you will reap what you sow. Trickery is a bad thing. I was talking with somebody not too long ago, a, a Christian, Christian guy. He was dating a girl. She was a very beautiful girl. And he kept telling me, Ryan, I feel like I should marry her because she's so beautiful. And like, this seems like this should work, but I just can't. And so she got a counselor to try and talk to him. And she thought, man, if I go to counseling with him, then, then you know, it'll, I'll convince him to marry me. And then um, she talked him into having sex with her and she thought, well, that'll get him, you know, like then he'll really be committed and then we can work this thing out. No, 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 no. He didn't want to be with her. And so they broke up. 
You can't trick, you can't pressure, you can't push, you can't force something. Sometimes, you know, you meet couples and uh, you're like, hey, what's going on? And they're like, oh, I'm dating somebody new. And then you start watching and they, they like change all their rhythms of their life. You know, like I've known people that have changed the way that they pronounce their names. I've seen when they start dating a certain person, I've seen people change jobs. I've seen people change friends. I've seen people change churches. And it's all because they're trying to be somebody that they're not to try to impress the person that they're desiring to date. And it just never works out well. It's never good. We need to learn a lesson from Leah. Let the game come to you. When I coach the kids in basketball, I always tell the boys, let the game come to you. Don't force the game. When it comes to marriage, when it comes to relationships, let the game come to you. Don't force it. Don't trick it. Don't manipulate it. Don't force it. Don't, don't, do, don't do any of that because when you do, then you get, you get, a, difficult, you get a difficult relationship. And, um, you know, Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8 says, you reap what you sow. Uh, don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature... From that nature, he will reap destruction. And the one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. What you sow in relationships is what you're going to get out of it. If you sow manipulation, lying, cheating, tricking, guess what you get? You get the flesh. If you sow things of the Spirit and things that are healthy and good, guess what you get in the marriage? You get, you get that back. Now, Jacob's learning the hard way. He's been the tricker, tricking Esau, tricking his dad, tricking his family. And now he's all of a sudden getting tricked himself. He's kind of getting his own medicine. I mean, Laban is, is kind of really doing what Laban did to Jacob, what Jacob had done to his family. So you could say, well, maybe he kind of deserved that in a way. I don't know. But you reap what you sow. And... And, and if we can sow good seed into a relationship and put Christ first and put the Lord first, then guess what? We get, we get, we get healthy stuff. We get, we get a harvest of righteousness, the Bible says. And that's what we need in our families. We need more health. We need more vitality. We need more of God. We need more strength. We need more honesty. We need, we need more love. We need all of that. We, we reap what we sow. And if you sow a lot of seed, it takes a little while for the harvest to come. But when it comes, it's an awesome thing. It's a really awesome thing. So the love story that God uh, wants us to, to write is one that is so powerful and so, so magnificent. Now, the greatest love story of all is God's love for us. Did you know this? God is wowed by you. I mean, when God thinks about you, his creation, his, his children, God is wowed by you. God loves you. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And God worked for you. He sent his son Jesus to die on a cross and to rise from the grave on the third day. He worked for you. That's your love story. God is waiting for you. God wants you to put your faith and your trust in Him so you can join His spiritual family. God loves you that 
much. And I think the, found, the greatest foundation uh, of a family and a marriage starts with God. We need God and we need Christ to come into our lives. And uh, maybe today you'd like to invite Jesus Christ to come into your heart and into your life. It's the greatest decision and the greatest choice that you'll ever experience to accept God's proposal to you. I want to give you an opportunity to do that if you're watching online or here in the big room um, for just a moment. Will we just bow our heads and our hearts for just a moment? Let's bow together.